This is the Imitate Ted Radio Hour. I'm your host, Julian Fade. And I'm also here. I'm Corey Matthewson. They say to live a creative life, you must lose your fear of being wrong. We have lost that fear. We speak to world-renowned experts you've never heard of. Fake research, real comedians. They don't know what they're talking about. But that doesn't stop them from pretending they do. Each episode, we bring you made-up facts, unsighted research, completely improvised. Welcome to the Imitated Radio Hour. From a PhD in computational science to a nature guide and outdoor enthusiast, the evolution of today's guest is remarkable. On a crisp October morning in 2013, he had just finalized the sale of his latest technology startup on his drive back to Portland from San Francisco. He pulled over to a rest stop, got out, sat on his bumper, and looked longingly into the wilderness. After 13 days, he emerged a new man. He slowly returned to society, but not to technology. Technology savant turned nature nut Leon Anderson takes us out into the wilderness and speaks to us about his self-published memoir, Megabytes to Bug Bites, finding oneself offline and outside in the great outdoors. Today, we explore nature and how spending time in the wilderness gets us closer to the wild inside each of us. Leon, thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for taking the time today before the uh, sun sets to talk to us. We understand that you're on a roadside phone booth somewhere in the wilderness of Oregon. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I'm uh, right outside of exit four on Highway five. Um, and you know, I was able to find a phone booth off the side of the road. And as I gave up my cell phone and my computer and everything else, I really had to lean into uh, you know, my knowledge of technology, um, absolutely using my computer science background. And uh, I was able to hack into the cell phone. So hopefully we keep this under uh, 30 minutes because I'm going to run out of time. Uh, we will do we will do our best. Absolutely. Maybe before we get into deep on how you got out of technology, maybe we can start with the conversation with how you got into it. Uh, of course, you've had a number of successful startups over the years. The best known one is, of course, Chimo. Now, Chimo was a company that did what exactly? Yeah, Chimo is, uh, it was a passion project, really. Uh, it started out of my college research. Um, and what it actually does is it changes ideas into motion. Um, so that's where the name Chimo actually comes from. Um, you see, it's really hard to grasp uh, and to like make tangible a lot of the things that float around in our head on a daily basis. So this mm -hmm. leads to communication breakdown. This leads to arguments. This leads to civil disturbances. And I really wanted to find a way of getting people to connect. So through Chimo, we're able to take those ideas and change them into motion. You can visibly see on the screen the progression of someone's ideas, how they change internally and mentally, visibly, and physically. 
you had sold this company in San Francisco. You were driving back to Portland. Uh, after your largest sort of exit, you promptly disappeared for 13 days. I guess there were people looking for you. No one knew where you where you were. Can you describe a bit about what was going through your mind as you were taking it all in at that rest stop? Yeah, honestly, um, I was trying to comprehend what I would do with $1.4 trillion. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I always knew that AI was the future, but I I didn't imagine that that was going to be my future. Um, and so I was just kind of counting the numbers as I was driving along the side of the road and out of nowhere, just got a flat tire. Uh, I believe I was somewhere near Mount Shasta. And I just... I pulled over, realized that in everything that I have learned through high school, through college, in my doctorate program, through buying and selling, creating four companies, I never learned how to change a tire. I was never able to take care of myself during this entire process. So as I sat there waiting for AAA to come and rescue me, an owl flew right past the hood of my car. It, it was I it was stunning. I never realized how large owls were. I always imagined them like you see them in cartoons, like kind of small and a little bit fuzzy. Um, but this thing had to have like a five foot wingspan. And I was in awe. I followed the owl into the forest. I just started walking. Um, And, you know, I would glance above and I would see this owl darting through the boughs of the trees. And I just followed it. You know, some people go as the crow flies, finding that straight path. But this owl took me left, right, north, south. I didn't know which direction I was going. After about two days, my phone completely died. My extended battery was gone. But I wasn't worried. I was in the middle of nowhere. I had no clue where I was going, but I had a guide. Those first few days must have been tough for you in some ways, given you went in completely unprepared. I assume you were wearing a fancy three-piece suit as you gallivanted into the forest. So maybe what surprised you most in those first 48 hours? Honestly, the way that Birkenstocks can hold up. Um, you know, my feet were absolutely comfortable during the entire time. I had Mm. ditched my jacket a long time ago, probably within the first couple hours. Um, it was warm. It was a summer day. I just went down with what I needed, my bare necessities. And, you know, after about a day and a half, that thirst really started kicking in. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, those natural needs, those things that we don't force ourselves to experience on a day-to-day basis, hunger, thirst, sleep deprivation, Mm -hmm. all of these things became real. But you know what? Nature always provided for me. Whether it was the river that provided me water and food sources, or whether it was the tree that provided me shelter, or even the wings of an owl that provided me guidance, nature was there for me. Incredible. You you went from a very 
digital world of software engineering and technology management into a completely offline world. We, we understand, obviously, how your external life has changed, but tell us, how have you changed on the inside? Well, I would say the biggest thing that changed is I've gone through a roller coaster. Um, you know, it's it was very public um, about the fact that part of my drive for success was the fact that I never had a feedback from my father. I never had that mm-hmm. relationship with him telling me that I was doing things right. So I was always chasing that. I was always trying to do things bigger and better because I thought it would impress someone, but never getting the feedback for it. And so as I ventured into the wild, I started to really get in touch with that internally and get in touch with what I was seeking. And it turns out that the father that I was looking for has been me the entire time. And the child that was seeking affirmation was inside of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you are the father, then would nature be the mother? You're extremely insightful. It's absolutely beautiful to hear how you're finding the heart of nature in your own movements. Uh, I, I, I'm totally inspired, but I, I mean, what might you say to people who question if anyone could make this jump outdoors. Surely your many millions gives you trillions and gives you not just a mosquito net, but a a safety net to some of these people that want to make the transition outdoors. Yeah, that's, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not recognize the privilege, which I am sitting in. And I would also be remiss if I was not to use that privilege for good. And this is why I wrote my book. This is why I wrote Megabytes to Bug Bites. Because I wanted to lay those breadcrumbs. I wanted to create a path for those who, who maybe who don't have $54 billion sitting in a bank account. Mm-hmm. I wanted to create opportunity for others to find their mother. I understand in doing so, you were able to go into some schools in the Portland area and take children into the wilderness, whether they wanted to be there or not. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Um, You know, being out on the road, being in the wild, not necessarily having, um, you know, all of the communication tools that I would need to, uh, what some would say, appropriately plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find myself in Portland and I found myself, uh, near Carter high school and, uh, it was lunch and I was sitting in the park next to the school and I spun up a conversation. Some, some kids were making fun of my burlap clothing and I sensed that it wasn't that they were teasing me, but they were teasing information out of me. Ah, uh. and so I started talking to them. And one thing led to another, and soon we were in my Honda Civic station wagon driving down Highway 5, getting off on Highway 84, and driving towards the coast range. Were these children scared? Absolutely. But through their fear, were they able to overcome the unknown? Absolutely. Hmm. It's, it's almost like you were their owl. Wow. I'm sorry. I just need to take a moment to 
uh, really let that process. I don't of think course. I allowed myself to step back and make that connection. Of course. We understand that you now plan and guide multi-day outdoor training programs for executives from Fortune 500 companies, hoping that they will adopt this same offline lifestyle that you have. What sorts of skills and abilities can these people develop on these types of trips? Yes. I uh, recently started a new program and uh, it's called C-Suite. That's S-E-A-S-W-E-E-T. C-Suite. That's great. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And what we do is we do a a three-day kayak uh, sea kayak out to some of the barrier islands. Um, now, the reason that this is important is during those three days, we really tackle the three most important parts of being an executive. Mm-hmm. That's empathy, transparency, mm-hmm. and eloquency. So everyone is on their own journey on for this three days. Everyone packs a lunch and all of that. So it's fully safe. And we've got certified rescue that is on call at all times. Um, and what have, have, to- have, sorry, have you had to enact the certified rescue once, once, but it was causes that were beyond our control. Um, we so had like many things in nature. Surely it's out of your control. Exactly. And there's lessons to be learned there. You know, I never realized that you should probably have people fill out a medical health questionnaire before you take them on this journey. Mm. This mm-hmm. is something that's now a requirement. Sure. Can you go into maybe some, tell us, tell us some more detail about what, what happened in this situation? Sure. Sure. It's a little bit tough to uh, share, but I'll try to do my best to mm. work. Keep, you can there. keep it anonymous as best you can. Uh, yes. I will definitely not use any names. Um, let's just call him James. Um, so we had a group that was going out. It was uh, probably my second, uh, trip. Yes. It was definitely the second time that I'd taken groups out on this excursion. And, uh, James showed up a little bit late. Um, and he rushed from his car and he came down to the dock. We loaded up onto the kayak. And as we were going out, uh, we noticed that James was kind of falling back a little bit. Um, but I always say, Charge forward, make your own way. Charge forward, make your own way. And so everybody from behind me, I could hear that. I could hear the drone. Charge forward, make your own way. Charge forward, make your own way. But something didn't seem right. So I stopped my kayak. I turned around amidst the waves kind of pushing me up and down. And as I got to the top of a swell, I did a quick count and I realized that James was missing. So I gave instructions to the rest of the crew to just follow your gut and keep on going. And I backtracked. James had a heart attack along the way. Um, I don't know how long it was that um, he had been suffering, but by the time that I got there, uh, he was completely passed out. Um, He was unresponsive. And frankly, I, I didn't feel, I didn't think, I didn't know that I was prepared for the situation. Uh, but, you know, just then, like, some sea kelp flowed along, and I saw the sea kelp, and I just knew that the answer must be there. Nature must have provided this for me for a reason. 
So I took the kelp and I wrapped his body in it. By this point, he was he was frigid. He was probably hypothermic. And as I wrapped the kelp around him and I pulled, I just pulled the roots of the kelp. It created this compression that, like that, instantly started his heart. His heart began racing. The blood rushed to his face. He pinked up and he came alert. You saved his life. Nature. Nature saved his life. You've done so much to share the importance of being able to experience the great outdoors. In -hmm. encouraging others to fall in love with nature, you detail the need to develop a personal incentive in preserving the state parks, our own space on Earth. But why Earth? Because it's what we have. You know, there's this chase, there's this chase for Mars and people are saying, well, why Mars and not Venus? And everyone continues to look beyond, but we mm-hmm. really haven't harnessed what we have. We've, we've taken it, taken it for granted. You know, it's, I would use the pun, we've barely scratched the surface. There's just so much more that Earth has to give us. And until I've sucked the very marrow of the bone of Earth, I'm not ready to give it up. Leon Anderson is a technology savant turned nature nut and the self-publisher of the memoir Megabytes to Bug Bites, finding oneself offline and outside in the great outdoors. Leon, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I encourage anyone listening to this to, if you find me along the way, stop, have a conversation. We can have some roots and herbs and uh, we can truly get lost in each other. The Imitated Radio Hour is produced by Rapid Fire Theater. It is not affiliated in any way with NPR or the official TED organization. So please don't sue us. Rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Corey Mathewson. For Julian Fade. This has been the Imitated Radio Hour.